widespread was the coverage? Well, I've been going through a lot of it last night and this morning, Marion, and I say a lot of it, but far from all of it, because it was huge. It, every newspaper in the world, pretty much, has been covering this story. There was 350 journalists and uh, cameramen, technicians accredited to Dublin Castle yesterday. Uh, there probably wasn't fully that number there, but the press room was very, very full, and there was far from all Irish Saxons. Some of the, the list of some of the media that were there yesterday is... It's fascinating to read. I mean, you go down, there was the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, all of the British ones, China Global Television Network, China. CNN, Los Angeles Times, New York Times, and pretty much all the Europeans, all the British. And it really was phenomenal, the interest that there was in the referendum. Uh, but India? India was there as well. There was um, the Times of India and uh, the, a couple of other Indian papers have covered a lot of it this morning. Well, I would have thought they had a particular interest because, because of, of a, And what's the tone of the coverage? I, there's two, two takeaways from it, I think, really. One is the, the, the Catholic Church. They, uh, and I know it, it gets mentioned briefly here, and I know you talked about it a bit earlier, but all the international, pretty much all their intros focus in on the idea that this is the death of the Catholic Church in Ireland, that we've gone from gay marriage to abortion in such a short period of time, that this is it now, the Catholic Church's influence is completely gone. And interesting, the second thing that comes out in a lot of the coverage is how Ireland is moving away from this populism of Brexit and Trump, and um, that the, the Irish people with gay marriage, where I suppose our election threw up a strange result in the general election, but that we're becoming far more liberal while the rest of the world seems to be moving more towards the right wing. So there are two kind of themes that run through it, but then each of the, the papers, depending on where you go, kind of have their own take on it as well. Right. Uh, perspective from Sweden? Yeah, I was over here reporting for Swedish radio, the state radio broadcaster, Sveriges Radio, was in uh, Kevin's list there, and for the biggest evening newspaper there, which is called Afton Rollett. And exactly as Kevin says, when you talk to editors there, they're going, you know, I was saying, okay, I want to tell this from the perspective of, say, the growth of feminism in Ireland, that kind of thing. They're going, no, can we not talk about the church? I've been calling all my reporting waiting for God. Because when I over here, God hasn't been mentioned at all. But indeed, I spoke to Renaud Mullen, I spoke to Colin O'Brien, I said, why is God not being mentioned? Now, I know why because we don't really discuss things in those terms really anymore in Ireland. That discussion is kind of over. And indeed it may, have, or may not have helped one of the sides in the argument. But the, the, the world still sees Ireland a little bit like we see Tom Cruise and Far and Away. And it needed to be explained to them in those terms. But I think the result on Friday and everything else that happened around it has, has, certainly, it has certainly changed the way the world views Ireland after this result. I was talking to a religious photographer yesterday in uh, Dublin Castle actually. And it's fascinating to talk to photographers because I have maybe 800 words to describe the situation. He has maybe one picture. Yeah. Or five pictures. Yeah. Now, in the online world, previously we were all looking for the, the picture on the front page. Yeah. Now you can put four or five together, you can tell a story. But I was trying to, I was trying to get him to tell me, he says, what picture will, will encapsulate this whole thing from you? I said, to be honest, I haven't seen it yet. So a lot of it was uh, people embracing and crying and the colour of the banners. And in the run-up to it, it was the posters that were put up by both sides. And we're trying to tell the story in that way. But I think I was telling you before, Marion, that uh, the deadlines and word counts are sacred to me. And I had an 800 word uh, word count. Uh, for Athlone Rock on Thursday. I said, I can't do it. I cannot tell the story of 35 years of the Eighth Amendment. I cannot tell the story of 102 years of the, of the Irish Republic in just 800 words. And I sent it in at 950. And I will say, you know, it's the first time I've ever done this. So that's how hard it is to tell to an international audience because they do the concentrate yeah, on completely it, different things. It's words. interesting. Like, if you look, it's the front of the New York Times today, is Ireland. Um, it's, it's on the front of the Observer, the Telegraph in the UK. Yeah. But just, just look at the New York Times, right? The headline there, in a landslide, Irish voters end an abortion ban. And the subhead is a rebuke to the Catholic Church. In their intro, is Ireland voted decisively to repeal one of the world's most restrictive abortion bans, sweeping aside generations.
celebration of conservative patriarchy and dealing the latest in a series of stinging rebukes to the Roman Catholic Church. And that is reflective pretty much of all the coverage around the world. I wonder if that's deeply unfair. Caroline, you were consulting on the on the no side. How involved was the church or, or religion in that? Not with our campaign. I mean, I have to say that say that the campaign was run by grassroots people and people who've been involved in the pro-life movement for years. Um, so the church wasn't involved as such. And as I say, I see. I think that from what I observe, they seem to be taking their message and their responsibility to their congregations, and that that was where they decided to make their, their views felt. I mean, if you passed any Catholic church for the last week or so, there have been banners outside saying that human life is sacred. And I think the bottom line, the, the message there would be that regardless of what the law says, laws can be unjust, and Christians and people of other faiths would regard this as an unjust law, that withdrawing the right to life from a category of human beings will be something that is unjust by definition and that they'll always oppose. Okay. You know, I think that's yeah. the position from the religious point of view. But I do, I've seen cartoons, we've all seen them, and Father Ted, I think, of a priest kicking the, the, the bishop from behind and all this type of thing. It's kind of beat the church, and this is the latest nail in the coffin. I don't like that. I mean, we're supposed to be a tolerant, mature, new, newly compassionate society. And I think that, that right. you know, we have to acknowledge now that in times of desperate hardship and in times of desperate, narrow-minded views of women in society and that kind of thing. We're supposed to be tolerant and compassionate. The no side, tolerant and compassionate. She must be joking. Acknowledge the fantastic good work that religion does in charitable work well, around the country. I remember you know, having a conversation with Cardinal Daly at one stage, <laughs> and the church was getting a lot of criticism at the time. I can't remember what it was about, and I put it to him that actually it was the Catholic Church that educated people to be, you know, to, to be lippy enough to talk back to them. And he kind of said he hadn't thought about that before. This was the challenge though of telling the story, because uh, undoubtedly the Eighth Amendment came from a strong religious ethos in 1983. Now, the same thing doesn't exist today, and to tell the story of that societal change over 35 years is very difficult, because when was the last time we were on the front page of the New York Times about this issue? It was probably 35 years ago. So that's the difficulty, is explained. I was very surprised, I was trying to monitor some of the international stuff yesterday and I turned on the BBC News last night and we had, because of our proximity and our uh, interrelationship really as a people, and the simplicity of the presentation of the story, I was surprised that it was exactly as the New York Times yeah. presented it. It was about Catholicism yeah. and the demise of Catholicism and it's very simplistic really when you, when you see what we've I suppose gone through for the last yeah. number of years. And it's the story they were hunting, because as I say, yeah. I was, you know, the only person here on the other side, but every new foreign newspaper that wanted to talk to us wanted to talk about the Catholic Church. Yeah. So in our campaign, we didn't, you know, we were focused on the Irish voters in the main, so yeah. I didn't really yeah. know too much about the international yeah. press because yeah. we had very limited resources and so couldn't really put our people there. You know, for that reason, I didn't know. words, because we managed to explain abortion on posters, very complex medical yeah. issue. Um, but it is disappointing that it's so reductive, you know, because there's so many layers to this over the years. And particularly I'm thinking about the young women who really organised and formed, like very young women. We were talking people, you know, 18, 19, early 20s who decided, yeah. no, I've had enough and I'm 
I'm going to organize myself into a volunteering campaign for good yeah, or something. Maybe I should get two strongs. Maybe I should give you something that, that maybe would make people feel a little bit better this morning. Because okay. I particularly liked how Time magazine summed it up, and I think it was, I've been writing about this for weeks or years, I suppose, and it, it sometimes hard to see, an outsider sometimes does see, yes. and we do ourselves. And I thought this, this one sentence from a, a big long feature that Time magazine had summed it up. It said the debate is no longer framed in terms of black and white morality, and has instead been pushed into the realm of human rights, healthcare, and the tangible effects of the law. And I actually thought that okay. was a sentence that probably summed up the campaign a lot better than the rest of the international coverage. Mm. The other thing is that there's a limited amount of coverage that the international outlets are going to give, apart from maybe the BBC and Sky News, who are so close to us. Yeah. So the way it works is that the major wires like AFP, Reuters, Associated Press, I would bump into them all now. So they get the main part of their coverage, the statistics, the size of the vote, etc., etc., the quotes from Leo Varadkar. Mm. All the international outlets will get them from the agencies. And then if they're lucky to have somebody on the ground, they may have sent somebody from London, usually there was a lot of correspondence yeah. going through the airport there on Thursday alongside the girls and the repeal jumpers with the black cases. Um, so they have them on the ground. But the problem is that they don't bring any understanding of it. And that's where you get Tom Cruise and Far and Away coming in and talking only about the church aspect. Whereas I walked on Poland Day, I walked from the north of the city all the way to the south of the city back again. And I literally talked to random people in the street. Mm. Some of them had together for Yes Vests on, some of them had Love Boats, Save the Eighth Vests on. And he just talked, it didn't record or anything else like that. Because I've not lived in the country for 19 years, and I'm back every few weeks anyway. But I really wanted to get that sense of it so that I can then go and report. Because if I'm not giving readers insights, the same for Kevin. If you're not giving the readers insights, you may as well not bother. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. And you were talking about photographs, and I can't remember which of you this morning picked out. No, it's the Mail. It's the Mail. The Mail on the Sunday. Mail. And it's um, seminars, Leo Varadkar and um, Catherine Newman. Catherine Newman. Uh, were they John Simon Harris's name? They yes. were. They were. Uh, there were posters up saying, I fancy Simon Harris. The reason I recorded this is to see what they had to say about the international coverage. There is the, the program I'm recording from is called the Marion Finucane Show. It runs from 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock every uh, Sunday, every Saturday and Sunday, and it would be the most popular radio program in the country at that time. And she is a, would be a very respected journalist. Um, so there, that's a little bit. I've decided that while that was on, that I might do a live stream on, that I will do a live stream on Periscope about this. So, as soon as I've eaten a boiled egg, which I need to turn off, I'm going to go on to Periscope and, and see what kind of response there'll be on Periscope. It's not a particularly good time of the day to be on Periscope at one o'clock. One o'clock means five Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It means six o'clock in the morning in New York. Well, that's not too bad, but it's still not great. I'll get Australia. Four o'clock in the afternoon would be a much better time. But, you know, strike while the iron is hot. <laughs>